Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to What's the Schemata. This is our chance to talk deep into the world of schema therapy. And I'm with Dr. Robert Brockman from Sydney here. Robert, how are you? I'm 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 great. Chris, how you going, mate? Yeah, good. It's been, yeah. it's been good. I've been uh well, it wasn't that long ago I was over there with you. Yeah, we never get to see each other and we um saw each other in person and just re- re- reminded each other of how we look like from the neck down other than just being yeah. on zoom and on the, on the phone so totally. um so what was so episode uh, episode 36 yeah episode 36 so technically this is like three years of what's this commander like monthly what's this commanders no yeah i know it doesn't feel feel that way but so this um, is almost a little bit of a celebration like yeah. it has been it has been over three years now we've been we've been doing this and at roughly the rate of once a month and we thought, you know, we tend, we tend to kind of have interviews, don't we? Um, but it's kind of nice just to chat. And um, I think we might be doing this a bit more just to sort of sit down and have a bit of a, a chat about particular schema, you know, issues, uh, questions. And we did a couple of weeks ago put out a, mm. a bit of a, a net out for questions uh, on, on our Facebook page. Um, I guess today is probably you know a, a little bit of this just a bit of a cherry picking a couple of questions have a bit of a chat how's that sounds good sounds good to me man yeah so what do you got for me so we we put this out on facebook uh, multiple channels so mm. we're just going to cherry pick some questions that came up um yeah, yeah. and also a, a good opportunity to to maybe mention a few names people who are interacting um with the, with mm. the pod so yeah, so um, Michelle uh, Hill, um, she mentions, we won't go into the specifics because we have a sort of international audience and some of this stuff might be more specific to Australia, but the general idea of brief schema interventions and treatments, you know, is there any way of working with a, a shorter time frame? Um, so in Australia, we have um, so the Better Access program. We have a certain amount of sessions, 10 sessions at the moment, um, which is often quite difficult. And I think this is kind of worldwide. Everyone's got time kind of constraints and pressures. So it's a great question. Yeah, this is, I mean, we get this a lot, don't we? Like um, in the training space, people often ask this because, you know, obviously schema is not really necessarily a short-term treatment. And we're pretty clear about that, especially in the context of, you know, trauma and, um, you know, uh, attachment disorders and that kind of thing. So people, the next question we would say was, well, okay, well, how do we do that um, in a 10-session model? So, I mean, I would be uh, arguing that, uh, you know, if you've got really short period of time, there's not a lot of evidence-based practice, you know, treatments that mm-hmm. do work with 10 sessions or, you know, under, say, 15 or 20 sessions. So... Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, you have to think of what other options um, you have. Um, and, mm. but we, I mean, there's a couple of ideas that I think are important. Um, sometimes you might want to do pulses of treatment. I don't mm-hmm. know if you do this, Rob, but um, depending on the funding arrangements that the person might have, 
you might schedule in a certain amount of sessions for a particular year and just get clear about what you're trying to achieve in those sessions. So having a mm -hmm. pulse of treatment where you're focusing on formulation and conceptualization and then maybe you know if they have some a break of treatment and return and some more funding is available then sort of looking at another pulse of treatment focusing on maybe another problem yeah so it could be you know self-compassion or, or the critic or the critic or uh, you know some trauma processing or you know yeah. being more assertive you know and some of the evidence is, does suggest right with say for imagery scripting for trauma that this kind of as you say, I guess, a set of sessions. I like the word pulse, by the way. Uh, th this can be effective, you know, you know, getting in there and doing doing a block of therapy with a very specific focus. Yeah, so uh, the imagery scripting and EMDR, the IRM study that I, I'm always banging on about because uh, I was involved in as a, as a uh, uh, therapist, I thought you were going to say as a participant. Yeah, maybe possibly. <laughs> You're about to say that, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that really suggests that it, you, the active ingredient for people that are willing to do experiential techniques, you know, e.g. if they're willing to do imagery or you're willing to do, you know, in this study it was EMDR, and it really helped. So, you know, if you've got a short amount of time and clients are willing and able to do experiential techniques, mm -hmm. do it as much as you can because that's what I think makes the biggest difference. Yeah. yeah sort of the most impact, you know, um, from the focusing on that. And the, 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 the thing around this, though, is that a lot of therapists are a bit worried about the impact or scared about their ability to, um, to, to conduct it, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the things I often say as well is you mentioned a, a sort of pulse of sessions focus on different objectives. And what one of the objectives that often comes up first is like simple mode awareness, you know, like yeah. mo mode formulation, mode awareness. Um, so this can, can often be, if you work somewhere, like I've had folks that work in inpatient units where they get like four weeks with some with, with mm. clients they might be on the ward or something mm. and and they just focus on conceptualization and motor awareness yeah. and by the end of that the, the goal is to be able to say hey you know if some of this schema stuff really hit you know a tune for you um you know we should think about referral and like what the steps might be once you leave hospital so mm. and and so you know you sh shouldn't necessarily feel like all of the work has to get done, you know, in a, in a, in a block sort of thing. So mm. um, some I, of those things too. I know that was a feedback. I remember there was a study, I have to remember, I think it was uh, a study looking at clients' experiences of schema therapy in the group therapy program. Yeah. And that was one of the things that people did really appreciate. I mean, obviously that was a full whack, you know, two-year therapy. But one of the things that they really did sort of um, come up with in these uh, um, clients was that they felt that um, the formulation and understanding what the heck was going on was really helpful. So understanding, you know, yeah, this is one of the themes that when schema right. therapy works, the clients say that the conceptualization process is really helpful. It's it's one of the things that instills hope and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in terms of other elements, I mean, yeah, so sort of pulses of treatment. You know, maybe even you know, this is you know, an Australian audience issue, but you know, sometimes you can put you know, 10 sessions at the end of a year and then 10 sessions of the, the next calendar year based on that funding. This is the old back-to-back, -back, the old back-to-back -back 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 model. So you get 20 sessions. 
Um, also, you know, I just think being honest with clients about what you can do, you know, and I think clients, you know, sometimes obviously, you know, um, they might make arrangements for this as well. Um, you know, if they think that there's some, um, a, you know, there's a, um, expectation i think that just help clients rather than just you know not really telling them what they having a frank discussion about Mm. yeah well i guess this comes back to it too because we have to also think about because you know the question often becomes how long should therapy go for right Mm. or how long should schema therapy go for uh and to a degree that's a piece of string question no Mm. because it does it really depends so uh, the other thing is that, you know, there are those clients who might be relatively short-term clients who, you know, they don't have a personality disorder, they don't have mm. complex trauma, they don't have dissociative disorders, yeah. uh, and but they could still benefit from 10, 12 weeks of schema therapy, you know, for their depression or, you know, yeah. a more a more contained problem. So, yeah. you know, so the, and everywhere in between, we've got folks who might be quite highly functioning and benefit from a smaller pulse of treatment right through to those that might need sort of two or three years of treatment. Um, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me in terms of the length of the treatment, I don't, I don't know if it, you feel the same way, but, yeah, the strength of yeah, the coping modes yeah. is a big thing. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's even more probably pertinent um, than the strength of, you know, clients having, you know, um, really, Like really how big the trauma is. Yeah, or the tra- trauma exactly. Yeah. If they're really, yeah, exactly. Particularly, they could have massive trauma, but, yeah, but massive they're relatively trauma. able to access yeah. it and share yeah. it with you, and you can yeah. get stuck in. Yeah, there's some willingness, and so so it's a part of that. Also, might be just readiness for change, and it could be. I mean, I think it's an interesting kind of argument um, to to discuss. You know, maybe with researchers and other clinicians about you know readiness to change. When are there markers for sort of maybe not cherry picking is probably the better word, but, you know, yeah. picking clients that are more, you know, able and willing to do. Ready to go. Ready, ready to, to process things. As opposed to maybe crisis-driven situations that, you know, that other approaches might be useful too. So, yeah. And to a degree, I think the IRM kind of ref- might reflect that, no? Hmm. The IRM study, because these are folks that are signing up for an RCT. They know what they're in for. They're doing trauma processing. Yeah, so there's a selection bias in that. You get people yeah. ringing up saying, "I want some help, and I'm willing to talk about the the issues that that are you yeah. know are needing some help with, and I'm I'm willing to do an RCT and a." And a uh, but you know, I, I think the other thing just just to mention about that that sort of um, the RCT where we're looking at imagery scripting. So just to reiterate, it was imagery scripting, six sessions of uh, therapists rescripting and six sessions of the client rescripting, no schema talk, straight into it. Um, and, you know, for clients who would meet PTSD, for our service, it was for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, for childhood sexual abuse. You know, um, there's something about a client knowing that they could do a pulse and knowing that, hey, I'm going to do imagery in every session for the next you know, 12 weeks, I can organize my work, I can take holidays, I can, I'm a teacher, I've got, you know, school holidays around that time, yeah. I'll, I'll meet you around that time. You know, and I think that that does really help um, sort of focus yeah. the mind for, you know, yeah. as well and probably focus the therapist's mind too. Because, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of decoy stuff happening with clients often, a lot of avoidance and a lot of yeah. decoy issues uh, that might be. As um, you know, an old client of mine used to refer to decoy issues. The decoy issues mm. is very aware, mm. um, but I think that's worth pointing out that that 
it is about those co- the, the sort of strength of those coping modes, isn't it, uh, as to how quick the therapy can go for and mm. thereby how long it should go for. You know, there are, you know, our, our severest clients, uh, you know, those on the more severe end of things, pointy end, it, it really could be like maybe up to a year of like trying to really work on that safety and engagement and rapport and, um, and, to, and to sort of start to get in, and be, in behind those coping modes. It really could be a year of that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you look at the a lot of the borderline studies and also the DOD studies, they're, they're using up to three years of treatment, right, for the most severe cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our book, the Cambridge Guide to Schema Therapy, which we really talk about this issue in terms of maybe different phases of uh, the treatment and that first year being maybe a little bit hard going and working on getting past those coping modes and building the rapport and safety and getting to a place where you can start to do the work. And that second year being much more in the work, in the feelings uh, kind of thing. And then, and then the importance also of finishing off in the sort of final phases or autonomy phase, Mm. you know, where we are stepping out, out of some of those roles of always being the healthy adult and we're encouraging the client to take more agency. And that might be happening, you know, down the track in let's say a third year or, sort of thing so you know thinking about that there are severe clients like that where a full course of schema would entail like this sort of trajectory of at least maybe a couple of years and working through those three phases um but i guess i'll I'll put a question on you chris like um when when would we not go there with a client you know if we work in a context where we've got 10 sessions or six sessions or something Sometimes you get folks that, are, for example, work in, um, you know, uh, what is it, EOP or EAP, yeah. um, six sessions. But you've got a client with, like, complex trauma and voices and trauma voices and things. And at what stage do you say, well, maybe there's not a good fit? Well, I mean, I, I, there's plenty of other therapies that are helpful. I'm always a believer in that. There's lots of other evidence-based therapies i gotta admit though i don't think there's many evidence-based therapies that are going to be that necessarily helpful in a very short six sessions for your complex yeah, trauma it's not gonna work but yeah. you know i think you can kind of it's going to still help you formulate clients and in the end it's what they need what they you know then maybe they you know they've got you know a strong need for x you know and maybe and 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 in particular problems that need to be kind of sorted out sooner than later so it might be that they're coming in and they've got really high levels of suicidal ideation I, I don't know whether and i had you know i knew that i was gonna have a very short amount of time i don't know if i would be you know going back to the history of this immediately i'll just be helping them to sort of keep afloat help focusing on maybe you know resilience but doing it you can still do it within a schema therapy lens you know and you can still yeah. use that so it's just um you know obviously you and me practice this all day long um and i but I do, I do think that you know there's um there's different you know, with you and me we probably naturalistically add elements to schema therapy into other into everything know, into, into everything is schema no. to do but it's not like a full yeah. you know we're not doing the full kit we're not using the rct the, yeah. you know protocol sort of thing yeah we can we might be using some of the suite of ideas but we're not using the the whole palette so, yeah yeah but um you know i think it's all about working on what clients need what their availability and what the, yeah, their, their accessibility is and their resources are and then sort of 
come to terms with that, I think, and just being yeah. being realistic with clients. What about what other questions we got here, Mr. Rob? Have you, you got anything here? We've got a whole set. Maybe do anything here. Look, um, I, I, I mean, I guess just leading on a little bit from that as well is, um, I don't know, just something came to my mind. Often the things that prolong therapy in that first phase and getting past the coping modes. I don't know, you know, about you, but we do a fair bit of supervision now, and uh, something that comes up a lot is clients that that they get into positions where they they want to just talk about therapy or just to let's say have a chat or um well also to maybe a bit more in the download kind of section you know that they get something out of coming and sharing uh uh details about what's happened lately and things like that um and, and that are, are those sort of people that sort of have that jargonistic you know like it's a therapist too sometimes they can use a bit of jargon schema jargon and and the other person's using a bit of scheme. Well, jargon. sometimes it can be that. It can be a quite intellectualizing version. I guess the point is that um, clients get in a, in, a, in a habit of coming and sort of unpack, like dropping stuff on on the you know the therapy and saying this is all things that happen. We're going to go in the ins and outs of things, but it's it's done from a position of a coping mode, and mm. there's this sort of expectation that I come and I sort of drop all these things and uh, get validated, but that it doesn't it doesn't lead to something else. So, yeah, I've been talking about this with a couple of uh, people at the moment, some supervisees, about um, getting the foot in the door, like that, uh, you know, this idea of therapeutic foot in the door, because it's very easy for the door to kind of be, I mean, it's probably not, it's probably, it's probably not edgewise, getting a yeah, word sort of in, getting edgewise. Edge, getting a word in, or like, yeah, sort of getting a, getting a, a word in the door sort of thing. You, you have someone who's sort of talking and, and downloading or chatting about, and they could be talking about this in a scheme of frame, but it doesn't feel like it's really you're connecting with the client. And yeah, you know, therapists sort of having difficulty sort you of know. going, hold you up there, just holding up, just hold, just hold, wanted to yeah. hold you up. Can I get a word in? Or here's another one narratives. This is the way to kind of think about it too. People in coping modes often come in with these kind of narratives yeah. that they yeah. want to replay and go over. And sometimes it's a slightly different narrative. It's like the narrative plus what happened this week, and mm. it's just another version of like how everything's gone wrong or something like that. But do you think that's also maybe um, oh, probably the cultural is not the right word? But like you know, if you've got, if you've had a lot of therapy and you're used to offloading and having a a therapist just listen, this is the word I think offloading sometimes as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, people get used to that. They think that that's what therapy is. is well, they get socialized and, and socialized. So right. it's more social rather than you know, there's a socialized element to just I come, you listen, I leave. Totally. And there are very well, there are models like where this would be encouraged, or right, or, or the client would be socialized into that as well. There are therapy models, but this mm. can be a problem for our model because we would see that oftentimes as a coping mode and yeah. as potentially blocking corrective experiences and change mm. you know so mm. um so yeah th this is something that we need to address you know when f fairly quickly you know and and establish a, a culture in um the therapy which is you know we which is more attuned you know that we have a certain way of unpacking feelings which isn't to just go into those old narratives and those coping narratives um but rather is to to go a little bit deeper 
um, and really go into the feelings and share that stuff. And I always think, and maybe it's the wrong way to see it, but um, it's kind of like two channels mm-hmm. with this when you're sharing material. You can go into like a really like a cognitive kind of channel, intellectual, even a narrative, like head level channel. And then there's the kind of felt the felt channel. There's a dropping into it, dropping into that, you know, the vulnerability, the you know, the the feelings kind of place. And it's kind of t- two very distinct things. You often, don't you reckon you, you see these people? Yeah, you, know, you see, we listen to tapes, or you hear people. And, How are you feeling? Well, yeah, I think that I've had a good week. Yeah, <laughs> How are you yeah. feeling? Well, I think that it's been tough for me. It's like, oh, hold on. And this is sort of like in the coping space, right? It's uh, the coping channel, the the cognitive channel, head level channel, and then you got then you got the sort of the feelings channel, right? Dropping into it, hearing about the vulnerability, hearing about the feelings, the anger, the you know, the shame, the guilt. You know, with this um, um, topic though, it's interesting because there's stuff to do with the client where they're wanting maybe to offload or download or talk or chat, or but then there's also the therapist's willingness to get in there and interrupt or create a like a frame. I think that's the other side. So you know, we could kind of you know create a willingness in the client, but also therapist. You know, I guess you know, as a scheme therapist, you want to try to create a frame and be more active and it's often the therapist coping mode too could be that you just take a back seat and just create a forum for them to feel xyz well you know you kind of want to be a bit more active you know sometimes yeah i mean at what stage are we colluding with a coping mode and i guess this is the hard thing because the clients would say i need this potentially you know Mm -hmm. because um you know don't interrupt me because I need this. I need. I need for you to hear me or something. Yeah, right. Yep. Which can trigger out and push our buttons because we want to be helpful. We, we yeah. want to meet needs. Yeah. But when you know it's coming from a coping space, when it comes from a space where I need you to sit there and just listen to what is coming out, and then I feel subjectively better after the session, but then I need to do it again next session. I need to repeat this. And then you become a little bit of part of the cycle. But I think all therapists know when when it's a feeling you get when that's the cycle. So, you know, and when we might need to be setting some boundaries on that and socialising them about what, what a schema therapy session looks like. Yeah, and I think some people's awareness that they see, you know, it's more of an awareness thing too. It's not like a, a deliberate, if they're in that coping state a lot of the time, um yeah that's just the way it is yeah it, they're, they're not aware of the other side they're not aware of talking about their uh, you know no uh, they think it's in like a different way totally like mm-hmm. uh well partly it's subjectively relieving i think you know mm-hmm. in the in the moment to to have to unload some things mm-hmm. um and and it is a part of the mode awareness isn't it that mm-hmm. we can educate people say well it is kind of relieving but at the same time mm-hmm. that's a coping mode that's a way of dealing with your feelings so it's kind of like yeah. not that you're offloading, it's the quality of your offloading. Is right, and it, we want to do it in a more attuned way. We want to do it in a way where we can get to the bottom of the feelings a bit more and really understand mm. the feelings aspect rather mm. than the narrative maybe yeah. or the story, yeah. the story. Uh, behind yeah. it because we can yeah. get stuck in the stories mm. maybe, you know, mm. to a degree, but um, so it's complicated. In terms of the, I mean, following on from this because this is a bit about like how to, do things, you know, uh, do therapy, skimmer therapy a little bit more 
efficiently possibly we could call this the efficiency po- podcast well it affects like <laughs> how long the therapy will go for yeah i guess that's why i brought exactly. it up because yeah absolutely. can we get in there quicker and yeah yeah because yeah. i think this, this is another thing and you you know like you you know we talk about this in our training a lot of time is that trying to you know there's there's um trying to keep the session um uh efficient okay so you, you could i mean i i you know i, I totally uh, agree this idea of trying to you know help get to the bottom of things and help get bypass the coping that's happening with clients um and it's also really helpful for the therapists and us to have some sort of semi-accountability in our mind so it might be the way that we schedule our sessions and i know that you know we always talk about this idea of sort of you know thinking you've got three bits to your session you've got the tune in the work and the wash up tune in is that you know that that's 15 minutes you can play around with it that, that they can let off a bit of steam or you can kind of get stuff from the tune and understand things and talking schemas and modes but there's a point you know 15 20 minutes in where you kind of have to make the efficiency statement of you know what are we doing yeah. today let's do some work you know, yeah let's see you know what do you want to what do, do? We focus think, on today and that could be the foot, foot in the door too to sort of help things but i guess if you if we don't do that then you're right these these sessions could just drag out for you know the umpteen you know times and you're not using the precious material that we we need to to use wisely and look th- this really relates to some stuff um that I've been doing uh, in the workshop space. So uh, we talked initially about I was in Perth last week, and that's because we're doing a detached protector workshop and teaching attunement skills. So I um, managed to do that now across, we did that in Sydney now, Melbourne, Perth, and Singapore. But um, if you guys are interested in some of that stuff, um, just check out the, the online platform, um, schematherapytrainingonline.com, and I'm going to start running that particular um, skills workshop um, up on online on Zoom. Folks have been asking about that. So, I reckon another thing to keep in mind as well, if we're going to go with this efficiency, time limited issues, it's something yeah. we don't really talk too much about. Um, sort of a bit sort of um, loose is uh, homework or you know getting mm. the client to work outside of obsession what's your take have you got any pearls of homework assignment wisdom that clients can maybe uh, and therapists could be using more of or less of oh it's a hard one isn't it because you don't want to be a critic and be like homework 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 you know yeah but i guess what i'm saying is that you know i always have these sort of cases where i'm like I just get the feeling that the client walks out the door and just basically yeah. presses dump on information, you know, set up and leaves and or, or just goes, okay, well, I've talked about that here and I'm leaving now and I'll leave. Very compartmentalized or compartmentalizing. something. Compartmentalizing, yeah. Well, they have sort of- the idea here. It's a it's sort of locus control thing where they're like, they have the idea that the therapy happens like you're fixing me. I come here, you, you do the therapy, you fix me. And then when I go, my life will get better. Yeah. Like, and they keep checking to see, well, nothing's changed, that mm. kind of thing. So mm. I guess we just, it's an educational piece, isn't it, that um, the behavioural part of schema therapy is to be explicitly planning and pushing for change eventually, often in the in the final phases of the treatment, that what would change actually look like? Because that's really where it happens. And it's a cliche. It happens out there, right? It's not really yeah. happening in the office very much, like 
they have the big wins in their life, you know, when um, just recently I've had someone say to me, you know, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, the critic, you know, this week was a little bit better because I realized I was getting, that critic was activated. I was going down a certain path and then I realized what was happening. And then I just stood back and I said to myself, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not that bad or maybe this is my critic or, and it's those little small things that happen in their lives. So, um, yeah, so it's incidental kind of things along again in terms of um I guess I'm I guess I'm thinking, you know, ways that we can encourage clients to there's incidental things that are driven by them, like that, kind of like noticing things and but yeah. I guess even trying to formulate or not maybe not formulate the wrong word, um, trying to encourage, you know, a an atmosphere where they're trying to reflect or well, well, I guess my on. point is we have to socialize this fairly early on that that mm. and especially to ad- address attitudes like that, which are to do with um, ha- having a sort of external locus of control, which, which is mm. that other people are w- would do the therapy and fix and fix the situation to mm. you you'll be doing the change in your life. Mm. like you'll be the one going out and trying to deal with your critic and how can we support that? And so I guess yeah. it's instilling that as a, as a sort of Key mm. principle, right? That the mm. schema therapy is also very behavioral. It's about breaking patterns. And so we would have to support that. We'd have to see that in your life. And you'll be the one doing that. I'll be here helping you and supporting you in the sessions, but you'll be the one out there doing those things. So and setting up, you know, like I wouldn't say behavioral experiments, behavioral pattern breaking kind of maneuvers later in the treatment mm. is probably a really big thing. We need to think of things that where clients yeah. are getting pushed out of their comfort zone. But yeah. I've always suggested, like, you know, the first first components of treatment might be a lot of you know, self-reflection or just monitoring type stuff. I mean, yeah. even at the very least, I get a lot of my clients to, you know, I say, I write my notes after I see you. I want you to write your notes after you, you, know, you see me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah. that's just the minimum requirement that you need to write yeah. down. If there's any take-home messages, anything that you've come, even if it was yeah. like, Get them to do their scheme of progress notes or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even if it was like, Chris is a waste of time and I didn't like him today. Then you can cut and paste that and put it in your own progress notes. And and, uh, yeah. That's a schema joke, guys. (laughs) Um, I've seen some AI stuff around that. I've seen this, right? AI kind of progress notes. Wow. Yeah. 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 The other thing I thought was quite good, and I I may have mentioned it in other um, podcasts, was. Um, Graham Taylor in Perth once put me onto this. I think it was just easy. Yeah, great. He was, he was talking about um, ways of encouraging behavioural pattern breaking. You might pick a particular thing that you want the person to change and you, yeah, so for example, is um, being more socially active, right? So that could be yeah. the, the goal. Yeah. And then you ask yourself two questions every day. For the next 28 days, you have two questions. Question one is, what have I done in the last 24 hours that's helped me to become more socially engaged? Or, you know, so I, I write nothing. Okay. Next question is, what am I going to do in the next 24 hours that's going to help me be more socially engaged? Okay. I'm going to call Rob. Okay. Great. Okay. It's six o'clock the next day comes. What have I done in the last 24 hours that's helped me become more socially engaged? I called Rob. Okay. Yeah. What am I going to do in the next twenty four hours? And then you said you re, you know, um, just having that awareness, like, like, goal. like you just, you know, that little reminder to reflect and, and what goal you've setting. Done. Yeah, so it's like mini goal, goal setting, a little bit setting. of accountability. Yep. And and what about like technology? 
Yeah. Like how, when I've done that sort of thing, I've always asked people to, if they're up for it, to have an alert pop off yeah. every every day at whatever time, whatever. It might be to check in with your kids and ask them how the day is, bang, 6.30pm, yeah. you know, say hello to your kids yeah. or whatever it might be, whatever the goal is, you know. Yeah. Um, you've been using some of that technology like to um, reach the long arm of schema therapy into the client's lives. Oh, this is, I mean, you know, like you do recordings using technology, you know, recording you as a fast flashcard on, you know, audio flashcard or video flashcard for clients. A uh, thing I do a lot of is using a lot of clients as a homework type task is to, you know, to, to look at um, the resources on YouTube about particular schemas, for example. So there's a lot of our, you know, colleagues that have got fantastic resources that you yeah. kind of, you know, give them something to look at about, you know, the mode model or particular schemas and these sorts of things. And, you know, we'll probably we'll try and put some of the resources that we might use on on our uh, show notes. But, you know, that kind of stuff's very easy for them to look at and just sort of get them to sort of look at that outside of the session. But the key idea is that you've got to do some stuff outside of the session, yeah. you know, and, and if it's just self-reflection and just reading or monitoring or homework being more behavioral stuff, you know, this makes a mega difference in terms of outcomes, you know. No, agreed, agreed. Excellent. So, well, look, that was a kind of deep dive in the end. You know, we started with sort of uh, the time frame of schema therapy and we've gone via, you know, several topics and avoidance and coping modes and homework and, you know, socialising the client into a certain frame. So that was really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, You got any final thoughts? Like. Uh, Well, I mean, just a couple of plugs, really. yeah, our book is you know we love, the, a plug. we love a plug sorry everybody but we've got the cambridge guide to skin therapy uh it's just been released we're really happy it's onto a, a new pressing i believe it's um currently getting pressed at the moment because it was sold out it was sold out yeah i was get, had yeah. folks uh emailing me saying you know you promoted last week and then it's, uh, amazon has it sold out so yeah. but it's, uh, it seems to be back going again yeah, so hopefully that in the next couple of weeks that will be rectified. We've had people from Peru to Mexico to Poland to India. Uh, people are getting it, but um, never in between. Patchy. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you'll be able to get a copy of that through your publishers in the next couple of months. Also, if you're interested, um, Rob and myself, uh, along with a couple of excellent presenters, are going to Bali again next year. So if you're interested in coming along to Bali, uh, it's the last week of June, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, last week of June, 2024. Uh, and you might want to look at our website, uh, schematherapytraining.com for more yeah. information. And look at live training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that'd be fun. I guess, w- look, let's plug Arama here because we've also, with the book, we've got a little mini conference uh, just coming up this Friday, um, which is called Schema Connect. So it's a, it's a, it's a low-cost uh, um, you know, set of Zoom uh, webinars with all of the authors of the book. So, if you're inclined to do, you can you can join us um, there uh, either live or it'll be up. We'll leave it up probably for um, to be purchased. It's a low cost event for about twelve months. You can still purchase that after the event and um, come and join us and hear about uh, all the things we've been uh, been learning along the way. So, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. What's a schematic? Uh, episode thirty six. Hopefully, there's another thirty years of what's a schematic. Well, uh, can you imagine that? Yeah, imagine the, the that. People, people have been listening to this since uh, they sleep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other day, I will say one of our one of our colleagues, Danny Danny Hotan, um, 
she posted some cool stuff on Instagram, including the um, uh, podcast that she's listening to, including Watch the Schemata. So that was really cool um, to see that as well. So um, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys. We'll hear from you guys in, uh, in about a month. Um, see, see you, Chris. See you later. Adios. Bye.